This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Hey listeners, my name is Vanessa, the host of the Unseminary Podcast, where we talk about the stuff you wish they taught in seminary. I'm joined by the founder of Unseminary, Rich Birch. Hey Rich, how are you? Doing great, Vanessa. Hope you're doing well today. Yes, I am. It's been a while. (laughs) It has been. It's been a couple weeks, which is great to be back at it. It is. It is. So today we are talking about six mindsets of church leaders in growing churches. So our listeners might be wondering, why did Rich write a mindset blog (laughs) versus a practical blog? Well, so to be honest, we're just coming out of a season where, you know, I was doing a bunch of promotion around the launch of my latest book and all that. And so... Um, you know, I've been thinking about that and thinking about the leaders, you know, we interviewed over 200 leaders to, um, you know, to, for that book and, you know, and actually this is number 274 of the podcast, which is a lot. And so I got thinking there's a whole kind of part that isn't in the book at all. The book is like super practical, like, Hey, do these things, make this will help your church. But there is this whole other conversation, which really is about, I think more the kind of philosophical or how we think about our church and how we kind of structure our time and all that. So I didn't include any of this in the book, but I, I thought, Oh, I think this would be a good place to put it. So it's kind of connected. And I promise people, this isn't a sales job for the book. I know you've heard enough of me saying you should buy the book. So I get that. Uh, but this, is, um, it really is kind of connected because it's, and so I wanted it to be kind of around when we launched the book to talk about how, how is it that we think about our churches? How is it we think about what we do? How is kind of the interior life of, um, you know, church leaders in growing churches? And these really six are things that I've seen. They're not, and it's not an exhaustive list. It's things that I've seen, um, in the leaders who lead in churches that seem to be making a difference. It's things I've seen time and time again. So I, I tried to compress them down and, and make them, uh, you know, applicable to everybody that's listening in today. Awesome. All right. Well, let's dive in. So first we're going to talk about time is short. Yeah. So one of the things I, I think is, you know, a really striking similarity of church leaders who are leading in thriving ministries is that they realize that the fact that there really is a limited time that, you know, and there's kind of two sets of urgency. One is there's kind of their own urgency. So, you know, I think we all realize we have a, uh, you know, a, a tender, frail, uh, you know, hold on life that eventually we are all going to pass. And so they, um, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I think church leaders in growing churches realize that, that their time is short, but then also kind of more at a, you know, metaphysical or at a broader, bigger scale, that time is short in general, that, you know, at the end of the day, we're all only given a certain amount of time to reach the people that uh, God's given us. And and I see this time and time again, church leaders who are, are really, um, you know, focused on the time that they've been given given and they want to maximize it. They want to do everything they can, uh, you know, to kind of, uh, make the most of it. They, they know that time is short and they're trying to kind of leverage it uh, for all they can. All right. So you have five signs that a church leader knows time is short. Yeah. So a couple things that I see these people doing time and time again, first of all, they maximize their effort. Um, you know, these folks are constantly asking if they're leveraging their time and energy and the greatest efficiency to reach uh, people with Jesus. They do actually ask, kind of return on investment questions. You know, they're, um, they're, they're not just kind of haphazardly going through life. They're, um, you know, they're not the kind of people that just wake up on a Monday morning and yawn and say, well, maybe I'll play some golf this week. And, and you know, uh, church leaders who are focused on the fact that time is short and are, are leading in thriving ministries know that, hey, they've got to kind of make the most of the time that is in, in front of them. And so they're constantly doing that. You know, they're also multiplication focused. So uh, they're the kind of people that are looking, how do they multiply the effectiveness of their their, their ministry. And this could be 
kind of their own stuff, whatever they're doing, they're trying to say, how do we leverage that, use it multiple times, or they're trying to figure out how to multiply their church, how to maybe through multi-site or through church planning, that sort of thing, or, you know, through uh, leadership, you know, they're kind of constantly, you know, bringing new leaders involved. They want to make sure that they're not the bottleneck, that it all kind of has to flow through them, that they want to find other people. And then other stuff, you know, we've talked about in the past about their next generation obsessed. You know, we say this consistently, uh, but it's true. Uh, Churches that are making a difference are led by people that understand that we've got to focus on kids and youth, that it's important. Um, you know, we're just one generation away from the complete extinguish, extinction of uh, the church. And so these leaders are, are constantly thinking about how do we um, pass on the message to the next generation and are investing time, even if they're not in student ministry or in, in kids ministry, they are um, giving a portion of their time and thought towards that uh, as they're leading. So this is something... I'm more curious, but yeah, yeah, totally. what is the approximate life uh, time of a church leader? Okay. Yes. So like how long they last? Does that var- yeah. Like, does that, does that vary depending on position or? Mm. No, that's a good like, question. What is- what does that look like? So I don't know if I, our listeners there, would be interested in knowing yeah, that. Yeah, so there I'm are there are studies that show that um, so churches that have had um, that have had a lot of impact. So, say large churches tend to have long tenured pastors. So tend to be led by people who have been there for quite a while, as opposed to a series of short tenured pastors. And so those, um, and I don't have the stat right directly in front of me, but typically those tenures are marked in decades, not in years. So it's like, you know, churches of, you know, 10,000, let's say, or 5,000 very large churches, the chances are that the lead pastor person has been there for, you know, 15, 20 years, which I guess, which makes sense because you've got to kind of focus down. Down and stay there consistently. There is also uh, actually on another podcast uh, on the Thursday show, we interviewed a guy by the name of William Vanderblumen, who has helped a lot of churches find staff. And he talks about um, in, in this interview, it was a, a whole conversation all about succession. And, you know, one of the things he comes back to in that is that every church, uh, every pastorate, uh, regardless of even if it just started is a, a stewardship, and we're going to pass it on to somebody else eventually. But he talked about how there's kind of a growth pattern that you see churches are uh, when they're led by say a founding pastor in their thirties, that somewhere in their mid forties, they peak kind of have a peak growth rate. And then actually by the time they get to their mid fifties, the church begins to decline. So there Mm. seems to be somewhere in there, there's like a 10 or 15 year window where if, um, if the church doesn't do something significant at the top level to kind of say, Hey, we've got to turn this person over. It's very rare that that church will consistent will, you know, will be able to kind of continue to reach and grow. They have to reinvent themselves. And so, and that's obviously, a, you know, a, um, you know, a topic we're seeing all the time is really this whole idea of succession and what are we doing? And we just had another interview with Dennis Gingrich on the Thursday show talking about um, how are our churches really dealing with the succession question? Because, you know, the reality of it is, um, you know, you can't have the same person in there forever. That is very interesting. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Great question. That's a good question. For sure. Okay, so on to our next point. Uh, come and see plus go and serve plus stick and stay. Yeah, so what I see here is churches that kind of, um, or church leaders that are leading within growing churches, they're holding in tension three, what I would say are important kind of concepts or three and important aspects of their, their ministry. The first is this come and see. You know, this idea that we're trying to build churches 
churches that people, you know, that, that are remarkable. You know, a big part of this book that I, you know, just wrote, Church Growth Flywheel, is about helping your church be remarkable, the kind of thing that people literally want to remark about. Uh, but church leaders and thriving churches know it's not just about that. It's not just about how do we do things that get our people to talk to their friends. It's also about sending people out, about saying go and serve. So it's about being the kind of place that is saying, hey, we want to make a difference in uh, the community. But then th- the other tension, the kind of what I would say is the third leg of the stool is this idea of stick and stay, uh, that, you know, church leaders and growing churches are also the kinds of people who are saying, hey, how do we build systems that care for people, that get people plugged in, that get them plugged into groups? And it really is the tension between those three, come and see, go and serve and stick and stay. It's There's some tension that happens inherently when we do all three of those together that ultimately see our, you know, our church grow. And in the article... Um, you know, I give examples of all three of those and I would say, and I I think I do three of each. There's nine different things. All nine of those things are things that are really common to growing churches. We don't need to go through them all here, but you could go over and check them out over there at the, the article. They're really common elements that we're seeing time and time again, uh, in growing churches. And they appear to be, uh, kind of contradictory to each other. It seems contradictory to say, Hey, let's make a church where people can come and see while at the same time, stick and stay. Um, how do we do that at the same time? Well, it seems, and that those two can seem contrary to saying, sending people out. How are we getting people engaged in the community? And really, again, I think it's the tension of all those together that we're seeing work out in uh, church leaders. So our third point, everything is an experiment. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, great. You caught me swallowing a drink there, <laughs> Vanessa. You threw it back on me, which is great. I did, uh, I did. <laughs> which is fantastic. So I really do think that church leaders and growing churches, they have this mindset that really everything is up for grabs, that let's try and see how it happens. Uh, the thing I say in the article here is that I think they're more like scientists running tests than bakers executing a perfect recipe. I think one of the criticisms of even a book like The Church Growth Flywheel is it can come off as this is do these things and you will magically grow. Where that's not actually the case. What happens is as as church leaders, we need to be constantly looking for ways to, um, you know, to experiment, to try new things, to do things we've never done before and not be so kind of stuck on, um, you know, this is the way we do it. The church you and I are a part of. Um, you know, we would say our vision is to be the kind of church that unchurched people love to attend. You know, the reality of it is, you know, that our church is only 10 years old, but unchurched people have changed in the last 10 years, right? What unchurched people 10, 10 years ago were into may not be the same thing uh, that they are into today and will not be the same thing that people are in 10 years from now. And so we have to keep saying, hey, what are we doing? Well, let, let's, let's not get settled on a best practice, but let's find something new to try. Yeah, I think it's working really well too. <laughs> <laughs> nice, thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm biased. Yes, exactly. We both are. <laughs> I think we're experimenting well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Good. So our fourth point, leadership development doesn't just happen. Yeah. Okay, great. So um, one of the things about church leaders in growing churches that make uh, a difference is um, they seem to be constantly looking for ways to develop uh, leaders. Now, in here, I use a a scripture verse, a verse that many listeners are listening to today will be familiar with, 2 Timothy 2.2. And and what I want to do is I'm going to listen to this verse. And we're going to read this first, and I want you to listen, listeners, to how many generations of leaders or how many generations of the message passing from one generation to the next is heard um, in this, this verse. And it's just one verse. So here it goes. You have heard me teach these things. 
that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who are able to pass them on to others. So there's at least four generations there. There's this idea of like, hey, uh, you heard me teach um, and they were passed on to me from other people. Now I want you, now I'm teaching them to you and I want you to go and teach them on to the other, onto others. There is this imperative as, um, you know, kind of Jesus-loving New Testament leaders who are looking to make a difference in the world around us, uh, that our job is to pass the message on to other people. It's not just kind of a nice to have, that we, um, you know, we want to be the kind of people who are constantly developing leaders. You know, we're, we're looking for it kind of in every weekend, we're looking for ways uh, to develop leaders, uh, you know, throughout uh, our churches. So what are some practical ways that we can start integrating this into um, every weekend at church? Yeah, that's a great question. So in the article, I list four, but I'm sure you can come up with a lot more than that. And what I've tried to do is pick out ones that literally I think you could try this weekend. So you can put them into action, you know, right away. First of all, huddles. Um, now, a little bit of tongue in cheek. I'm assuming that every church leader that's lead- listening in today that their volunteer teams don't just start working. Um, they should, uh, kind of a best practice is before you start serving, you need to get that group together and, you know, pass on vision, build community within the team and do some training for future leaders. Um, you know, the, and, and really just that idea of like, okay, before we get together, let's pull everybody together for five minutes and talk about, uh, you know, what is, uh, you know, what is a great kind of uh, service experience like this weekend? That's, that's one way, uh, to pass on leadership development. Another is through a evaluation times. It's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. So before the weekend, but then also after the weekend, you know, this idea of a church that is willing to slow down and say, Hey, what are we learning through this process? What is working well? What isn't working well? How do we need to do that different? That's a simple way to add leadership development into what we're doing. Cause even in that process, people will ask questions. They'll be like, Hey, well, why do we do it this way? And that will naturally help them learn and grow and, um, you know, expand their, their understanding, uh, what to expect documents. I think sometimes church leaders can get intimidated. At the core of leadership development is usually documentation, some sort of like written stuff that talks about um, how uh, how on earth, you know, you're, we're asking you to lead and, and usually set some standards and all that. And I think that can be intimidating, you know, understandably so. It can be hard. But actually, <clears throat> the first step towards great um, documentation is simply just like even a one page document that says, this is what you can expect this weekend. When you arrive, when you arrive, this is where you come. This is what you should be wearing. This is what you're going to say. Here's some basic tasks you need. So just a real basic kind of what to expect. And then finally, I love Dan Ryland from 12 stone church in Georgia. He's a, a great leader. He's kind of the leader of leaders, executive pastor, uh, at 12 stone, fantastic guy. And he talks about the core and they, they, their church is really a leadership development engine. When I think of churches that have done a very good job at developing leaders from within 12 stone is, is really at the top of the list for me. And when you, when you boil it down, Dan, and you ask Dan, what is, how is it you do? He says, this is what you do. You find a book, you get a group and you talk about it. So find a book. That's great. Um, find a group of people to talk about it with can be six, can be 10, something like that. And then just talk about it. So, you know, all of our, all of us can do that in our churches, find a book that we love, uh, get a small group of people, six to 12 people and say, Hey, I'd love to give you a copy of this book. Can we get together in two months uh, to talk about it, to actually say, what are we learning through this? Um, it doesn't need to be rocket science. I think sometimes we over program the leadership development side of what we do have to make it a big deal. It's like, we've got a 12 months <laughs> course on all this stuff where it can actually just be something simple, uh, like finding a book, getting a group and talking about it. 
Awesome. So our fifth point, private disciplines before public performance. All right. So this one, this is a, um, you know, I would say a humbling uh, observation. I think sometimes church leaders who are, will look at church leaders in fast growing or large churches and they think, oh, it's just all about the show. It's all just, it's all about the public performance. It's all about the big thing that happens on the weekends. But that, that actually hasn't been my experience at all as I've interacted with a lot of those leaders. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. I, I, I say, to, you know, what I've seen is actually the leaders at the core of those ministries. And just because of, you know, here in this environment and other, other environments, I've had an opportunity to interact with, you know, church leaders at a lot of churches, a lot of those even name brand churches that you've probably heard of before. And the people at the core of those churches, the leaders at the core of those churches have a deep uh, personal faith that is working its way out in their own lives. And if it doesn't, if, if the message doesn't impact you personally, um, you can't lead people to that place. And so, you know, what I've seen time and time again is those leaders are, are letting the message kind of deeply penetrate them, deeply penetrate the, the and they actually would see that as um, core to their church growing. They, they, you know, there is the like, I need to get before the Lord and see what he wants to do in my life first uh, before I would turn around and say, hey, uh, people, you need to follow me there. There's this idea of I need to be a transformed person before I can be engaged in the role of transformation. And I think that there's something to that, right? Like mm-hmm. you practice what you preach, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's it's easy to, I mean, especially if you're new to church, if uh, you have a church that's for the unchurched, yeah. um, those people sniff out fake like no tomorrow. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And, that, and it is a part of that humility thing. It's a part of that authenticity piece that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, our churches are focused on application and we see this time and time again, kind of across the spectrum, churches that are growing, typically their their messages, the core component thing that they're doing um, really is focused on application. It's saying, how does this teaching apply to my life? Uh, but what that does is it forces leaders to say, hey, how, uh, you know, how does this apply to my life? How am I a changed person because of what's happening? And, um, and again, my experience has been the leaders at the core of those things are, um, they're way out there trying to ask that question consistently. They're not, it, it's not shallow. It's not fake. They're starting with Lord change my life uh, before I attempt to try to, you know, help point people uh, in, a, in a new direction to see their lives changed. And I love in this point too, in the article, and and I'll point our listeners there because this is great. If this is something that you're not good at, there's five quotes to encourage you in your personal development as a church leader. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. A couple of quotes. I was thinking about this in this particular talk and this part of this, you know, topic, I was like, yeah, I want to point towards other leaders who are reflecting on their own kind of um, you know, how do we lead, you know, internally? So got, you know, some quote there from, you know, Lisa Turkstra, you know, Francis Chan, Randy El- 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 Elkhorn, uh, Billy Graham, you got to have a Billy Graham quote in of there, course. you know, and John Piper. Um, so yeah, I'd encourage people to go over there, check that out for sure. Absolutely. So our last point, shift from great services to great systems. All right. So I would say one of the biggest shifts that happens in church leaders inside of them, when they, when you think about what is it that they do that is different, um, they go from saying, okay, 
um, we need to, they shift from saying, how do we do the weekend right to building and perfecting systems to accomplish that outcome? Uh, you know, so an example would be if you put this kind of in, in kind of a, the business world, um, you know, you might be a baker who is really good at baking and like, you're really great at making, you know, whatever baking stuff is buns and whatever you bake at a bakery. I'm not sure. I should have thought about it. Cakes. <laughs> yeah. Cakes, I guess. Yeah. You might be really pastries? great at, at making pastries. <laughs> But unless you're able to eventually shift from making pastries to building an organization that makes pastries, you will only, you will never be able to scale up. You'll never be able to to ultimately sell more than the, what you can make in a forty hour week. The same is true with church leaders. That you know we go from hey doing a great job on the weekend, doing whatever our task is. Uh, but what we really have to do is shift to we, we actually become obsessed with the building of the organization. Give a couple examples from kind of the marketplace. In a lot of ways, you could see the story of Steve Jobs is his first time around. He was really super excited about, um, you know, building the perfect computer. But in a lot of ways, his second stint as CEO, which is where the company went through the roof and did so well he really became obsessed with building a great organization and actually gathered around him leaders that ultimately took the, you know, the company well beyond even where he could have taken it even after he's passed. And I think the same is true for us in the church world. We have to, um, you know, the, the, the goal as our churches grow is we actually shift from the task of doing ministry. We shift from the task of, you know, building great services or doing, you know, a great job, uh, directly with people to saying, how do I build a great organization? How do I build into the leaders around me? How do we, um, gather and, um, release amazing leaders who ultimately will, um, you know, go beyond just the deliverables that we have every weekend. And if we can't do that, uh, then we'll, we will, we'll really cap our ability to, you know, to scale and grow. If, if we can't get our head around the fact that actually our task becomes one of organizational builder, our task becomes one of kind of organizational developer, um, leadership development person, all of that. If we, if we don't do that, then actually we limit our, our organization's growth because ultimately we say is it is about us. It's just about, um, what I can do. It's my own personal ministry as opposed to, um, you know, building and scaling, uh, through other people and seeing other people get plugged into the mission. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's good. Cool. <laughs> Great. No, I'm glad it makes sense. But I mean, I think like I, I, I've seen it firsthand at the church that we attend to, mm-hmm. um, especially when we moved into our central facility from being um, a site. And it was interesting over the last, I think we've been there for almost two years. It's been interesting mm-hmm. to watch just, I served on the production team for a while before I moved. And it's been interesting to see how we would say, you know, yeah, let's have a great service. Let's pray for a great service. Mm-hmm. And then we started developing systems in order to have great services. Right. And right. now it's very fluid. I mean, pickups along the way, right? Because technology is technology, but yeah. it's been interesting to see. And even from an organizational standpoint, from the, the industry that I work in, um, I've totally seen this happening in the company that I work for. And it's been amazing. Yeah. I think a part of this, another way to say this, and I, I've said this in other co- context is, our services should be exciting. The process by which we make them should be very boring. Like the, the, for sure. the, the process by which we do the kind of making everything happen should be measured straightforward. There should be no surprises, but then actually when people arrive, they're like, wow, this is amazing and fresh and vibrant. It feels incredible. But I think sometimes, um, leaders were like, we want, we want like our everyday work to be fresh and vibrant and all that, but actually long-term, um, 
the is that act, sustainable? <laughs> yeah, that's not sustainable, right? It's, you you have to build systems that ultimately will create all that um, that are less dependent on you as an individual, less dependent on you know a small cadre of people that ultimately um, you know can scale and and reach more folks long term for sure. It's funny that you say that because I look at our production order um, pretty much every week just mm-hmm. before, like on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, oh, wow, this looks boring. Like, oh, three songs and, right. oh, we have our offering and talk and, oh, yep. it's all in the same spot. And then it's true. You get there and I forget that I've looked at it and what songs we're singing. And it is exciting, right? right There's right, something right. – even today I was telling you that I went to uh, mm-hmm. one of our different campuses mm-hmm. and – it was amazing, right? right? A little bit different, but I was so excited to be there. Right. Absolutely. And that, you know, that is our, I think that is the challenge that, um, you know, we want to create the kinds of experiences that, you know, at the end of the day are, um, you know, are engaging and draw people in, but that has to be done in a systematic way uh, that ultimately will help, uh, you know, allow us to do more of them long term and not get so caught up in, you know, the franticness of every week, which I think just to be honest, I interact with a lot of church leaders who are just caught on the treadmill of week in, week out. And you've got to force yourself to get out of that, right. To, to not be stuck on that, you know, treadmill for Mm -hmm. sure. There's no sense in recreating the wheel. Right. Exactly. Exactly. For sure. No, that's good. That's good. (laughs) Is there anything else you want to add before we sign off? No, I would say I just, you know, again, just kind of looping back to where we started. I think, um, you know, my encouragement for you today, and I've said this in other contexts, but, you know, if you are um, wanting to see your church grow, wanting to see, you know, you make a difference, actually a part of what you should do is get around other church leaders that are, that are leading growing churches. And I think you'll see that many of these mindsets work themselves out. It's not just about tactic. It's not not just about some marketing stuff they do. It's not just about some great series or silver bullet. There is something different uh, about the way people approach life who lead in these organizations. And so my challenge would be to say, hey, I've given you a window into those here, but I encourage you to uh, get around some other people and see if you can learn uh, from them uh, as they, you know, as they lead their church. That's great, Rich. Thanks. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can see the full article and our other podcast at unseminary.com. 